Hello, hello! Welcome to Nonsense and Noise of Cloudcast. Wow, holy shit! A podcast about the queer pop culture and media experience. I'm your host, Nathan Cotto, and I can't fucking talk. It's been a hot second since I've recorded a podcast episode. Date of recording is January 23rd, and I'm so sorry about just like fully dropping off the radar for all of January with the pod. It's been a rough re entry for me just to like get back into things after the holiday break. Work has been incredibly busy for me. I work at a biotech company and I'm a project manager and I talk to the FDA for a living. Not all the time, but like a substantial amount of work that I do like ends up going to the FDA. So I actually like was interacting with the FDA a couple weeks ago and like have been just like running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So yeah, that's like work has been eating my life and I've been trying to maintain sanity by just like trying to enjoy other like hobbies on the side and everything. So I just like haven't been able to actually put together a pod episode. And then also I've got two guests lined up for a couple episodes and you know, just scheduling and stuff is difficult. One of the episodes is going to be the last episode actually in the Boys Love series talking about uh, a movie, uh, another movie on Netflix. And then the other episode is going to be with my one of my friends and we're going to talk about Encanto which is a wonderful wonderful Disney movie so yeah that's kind of what we have to look forward to but yeah I I've been busy with work and and trying to just like maintain levels of sanity and stuff and like getting shitty sleep truly I I know like technically I'm supposed to like be averaging about eight hours of sleep and whatever and I think my average is about like five to six which is not good so like basically I just I just want to know who sleep is and where he lives because I want to I want to hang out and be friends that'd be that'd be really fucking nice and it's also super cold in new york city a lot of the weather these past few weeks has been below freezing 32 fahrenheit for those in the states and for those outside below zero degrees celsius so like for example earlier this week it was like maybe 17 degrees fahrenheit outside and then with wind chill it was like close to 10 so that has not been really fun to navigate and so i because I, I i'm fine with the cold I, I don't mind the cold however i would like the cold more if there was snow to make it worth it and there's no snow to make it worth it so it's just like i have to walk outside in a really heavy winter jacket and everything and that's fine i just want snow I just, like we got snow once and it was a suitable amount but like i don't know i'd like more that'd be cool but yeah it's cold as hell and i i just want snow to make it worth it that's it uh, that's probably like the third time i've said it but i <laughs> i want the snow So yeah, that's how I am, how I've been, and why we're getting an episode so late. Hopefully, I'll get another episode knocked out early February, because I've got- I'm taking a few days off early February for my birthday, so I can, like, relax and enjoy myself. So maybe I will get around to recording an episode then. But yeah, uh, so... As you all know, this show's is not sponsored by anybody. It's fully independent. I'm running this myself, and the best way to help support the show is through Patreon. And if you help support the Patreon in any way, you get a shout out on the show. So it's been a while since we've had any new Patreons sign on board, but over the winter break, we picked up a new one. So welcome to Sean Warner. Uh, thank you so much for your donation to the Patreon and for your support. I've gotten lots of feedback and praise and everything for all the past content and stuff, so I'm really glad to hear that you you like it and enjoy it. So yeah, if you are wanting a shout-out of your own, please go to the Nonsense and Noise Patreon, and please feel free to drop a donation if you like what you hear. Now moving into pop culture and life updates and stuff, stuff that's happened since the December episode. So... I know most of the time I keep things pretty light, but I did want to make a bit of time to talk about Michelle Goh. This is the Asian American woman who was killed in New York City about two weeks ago. Someone pushed her onto the tracks in front of a subway train and she she died. And this is unfortunately, you know, continues to be part of the anti-Asian American hate crimes and everything that happened. It doesn't matter the race of whoever did this. It's really the the root of it is white supremacy and just a lot of anti-Asian sentiment and it's really hard to take and and just kind of 
see this happen as an Asian American person. In the United States, it's, you know, I'm not going to have the same level of connection to this event as Asian American women, but it's just really tough to see this. And, and it's upsetting because I think anti-Asian sentiments, just like anti-Black sentiment, is built very heavily into a lot of how American society works. If you think about it, there's a lot of it in terms of like beauty standards. There's also a lot of it in terms of just like how we even interact with China. There's just such a heavily anti-Chinese sentiment, like even before COVID, like a lot of the news coverage has always been like, China is like suspicious. We should like really be aware of what they're doing. And like, you know, like basically if there's a villain in any show or whatever, it's either China or Russia. And like, I can't obviously can't speak to anti-Russian sentiment in the United States, but like, anti-Asian stuff is just, it, it keeps going and it's really upsetting to kind of have to face off against anti-Asian hate and anti-Asian sentiment with just stop Asian hate because that slogan is actually pretty weak. You know, it doesn't really make people question their own points of view like Black Lives Matter because, you know, Black Lives Matter is a successful slogan because it has made people who are actually against that upset because, you know, we know that this slogan is saying that Black Lives Matter, they do not matter more than others, they do not matter less than others. Black Lives Matter, period, that's it. And saying stop Asian hate is just such a tame and just honestly flaccid sort of slogan because it's just saying don't hate Asian people. And the average person who is anti-Asian is going to say, oh yeah, I don't hate Asian people, I just think this, right? And that itself continues to perpetuate anti-Asian sentiments. And I've been really thinking about this long and hard for like how to best come up with a slogan that actually like gets what we want across and like also makes people a little uncomfortable. And by people, I mean people who have anti-Asian sentiment. So instead of stop Asian hate, I've started saying, at least on Twitter, Asians are important or AAPI are important. Both slogans, I think, are equally powerful. It's, you know, just, I've heard from people who have spoken with Pacific Islanders that, you know, you know Pacific Islanders are not Asian. They are their own sort of group, just the way that, you know, they, they are a native people and they're, they're native to those Pacific Islands and they're not quite the same as Asian American. And, you know, right now it's just sort of this umbrella term that is used for government purposes. But in any case, just to be more inclusive at this point in time, AAPI are important. That is the slogan that I've been using. I encourage you to use that as well, just because it has more teeth, you know, we're not saying that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are more important than anybody, but we are saying that we are important. Asian American and Pacific Islander life is important, and it's worth acknowledging and considering. So that is the heavy update, and Michelle Go rest in peace. I really hope her family is doing okay, that she's able to get some accountability, and I don't know what justice would look like just because, you know, justice isn't having someone be punished for this crime necessarily that's accountability justice would be how do we make sure that this, this doesn't happen ever again and i think i've seen some conversations on twitter saying like oh you know it'd be cool to have glass doors or something in front of the subway tracks i think some asian american or not asian american countries hello asian countries have that just as like a safety measure and i think that'd be really cool you know it'd be really cool to actually like modernize the new york subways but yeah that's something so i really hope that we're able to find justice and, and we're able to, to have accountability for Michelle Go passing. Okay, so that was the heavy piece of news. I guess the other slightly heavy piece of news was, you know, Betty White passed before the end of the year last year, and it was just really sad because she was almost to her 100th birthday. Also, you know, kind of funny comedic timing because, like, hey, I'm about to turn 100, and several magazines posted about, like, oh, Betty White is turning 100, and then she was just like, peace out, um, which, honestly, power move, great. So that's 
that's kind of funny, but also RIP Betty White. I would personally love to trade the Queen of England for Betty White, so that way Betty could actually like celebrate her 100th birthday. I think that would have been really cool. The Queen of England has done nothing. She's a racist. Her family's racist. The institution is racist. Like, let's just sacrifice the Queen of England and bring back Betty White for like maybe a couple weeks. That'd be that'd be cool. So that's the other piece of world news. So then movies and everything. There is the movie Belle. It's an anime movie that's kind of like Beauty and the Beast, but like set in like a, a metaverse. I've heard that it's kind of like a spiritual successor to the Digimon movie, which is interesting. So like I have to, I think I'm interested in watching it. I don't know where I'm going to watch it, but I'm interested in watching it. So there's that. That opened on January 14th. So that's almost two weeks ago. And Moon Knight, uh, that's not a movie. Moon Knight is a TV show that is coming to Disney+. Plus. It is in the MCU featuring Oscar Isaac as the titular Moon Knight, and in the research that I've done, that character actually is living with dissociative identity disorder, which is really cool to have that representation, and also at the same time I'm quite nervous to see how that's portrayed in the media, because dissociative identity disorder has not had a really good, like, sensitive handling. I think it would be really cool to have media written by somebody with DID or like have somebody like heavily consult with a group of people who live with DID to actually like make a piece of media that speaks authentically to their experience because a lot of the pop culture sort of relationship with DID is very much just like, oh, they were a murderer in like their whatever personality, but then their other personality doesn't know that. And it's just like a tired trope and really offensive trope too to just have like this sort of perpetuated mentally ill people are unwell and they are dangerous and it's just boring it's 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 yeah it's boring it's overused and i would like to see an actual story that features someone with DID and that is like authentic and actually like speaks to that experience and living with it. Similar to like the blade, the, the blade, the game Hellblade, because that game Ninja Theory, which is the studio, they actually consulted very heavily with a bunch of people who, who live with psychosis and schizophrenia and who actually like hear voices and see things differently. And they made that part of the game mechanics and that was really cool so I think you know it'd be awesome to actually see that but all that to say we'll see how Moon Knight is I'm nervous I hope that the representation like in in its entirety is great and good you know Oscar Isaac is a Latino actor so it'd be that's all that's already a win but yeah I just hope that the DID is handled in an appropriate manner yeah, so that's movies and TV. As far as video games, oh boy, I might get this episode out before Legends Arceus drops, it might not, but Legends Arceus is dropping this Friday, January 28th. I'm excited, I'm gonna stream it, I pre-ordered it. It is an open world Pokemon game, and I'm, I'm just so stoked. Uh, Pokemon has needed a refresh for a long time. I think the last mainline Pokemon game that I actually enjoyed was probably Sun and Moon. Sword and Shield, in my opinion, was kind of a disappointment. I could do a whole series on Pokemon, so I'm not going to go too much further into that, but yeah, I'm excited for Legends Arceus is dropping this Friday, January 28th. Life is Strange Remastered is dropping February 1st. That is a wonderful, wonderful game for queer stories and everything, as well as talking about, you know, just how superpowers don't necessarily solve all your problems. I personally think Life is Strange 2 is a more compelling story than Life is Strange 1. I haven't actually finished Life is Strange 2, but yeah, Life is Strange 1 is still good. So that remastered collection is dropping February 1st. Dying Light 2 is coming out February 4th. That is a zombie game. I just have this on here for pop culture news. I'm not looking forward to this particularly just because I'm not like really a big fan of horror and zombie games. So that is all the pop culture updates and everything for now. As usual, this is not exhaustive. This is just kind of like stuff that I've seen pinging around my radar. And that's just kind of to just talk about at least what's, what's going on in the zeitgeist. So I'm going to take a brief break and then we'll be back with the main content. All right, and we are back from the break. I uh, hope everybody 
was able to drink some water, get hydrated. I certainly am hydrated and ready to talk at all of y'all. So the main topic for this week is continuing in the Boys Love series. We are covering The Untamed. That's the Netflix version of the original title of Motaltsushi, which is translates roughly to the master of the demonic path. This is also known as, as I said, uh, The Untamed on Netflix or Ting Ling. And this is a Tanmei novel adapted into both the anime and a live action and based on a novel by the same name by Mo Xiang Tongxiu, who's a person who also wrote Tian Guan Cifu, which is Heaven's Official Blessing. So basically, just kind of a quick overall synopsis, this is the story of Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangji as they meet and they try to solve a murder mystery that has dramatically affected Wei Wuxian's life. And yeah, it's an interesting, overall interesting story. I think it's much well, much better put together than Tim Guan Sifu, which is why I was so confused when I watched Heaven's Official Blessing and <clears throat> was just like very confused as to why that story just seemed all over the place. So yeah, that's kind of just like an overview. Once again, this is kind of set in the same sort of genre as Heaven's Official Blessing. This is the wuxia or the xianxia genre so there's magic and these are like noble heroes and they're going out to perform noble deeds and the government kind of interferes very minimally with them so that's sort of like the backdrop of this there are five major clans in this show they all exist coexist peacefully and then there's this one clan that tries to take over the rest of the clans this is the one clan and the Wen clan has two different branches. There's the main family, and then there's the Qishan Wen clan. And that group is more or less pacifist. They, instead of learning swordsmanship and cultivation, they are more focused on medicine and everything. So technically speaking, there's more like six clans, but for the for name only, in name only, there, there are five major clans. So... That's sort of like the world of The Untamed, and this series is, as I said, I watched the live action on, or maybe I didn't say this before, but I watched the live action on Netflix, and the series is 50 episodes long, <clears throat> and just in case you're interested in getting into it, the narrative structure is kind of weird. The first two episodes kind of opens like sort of halfway through the story, and then it stays in sort of like present day, or like, I guess... It like starts at point A, goes to 16 years in the future from point A, which we will call present time. And then it stays there for about like two episodes, and then it shoots back 16 years back into the past, back to point A, for 30 episodes of flashback. And then the rest of this, and so by the time you, you, like, you basically have to sit through 30 episodes of lore, and like history of the characters, so that like sort of give you the background of everybody, and like show why the characters are the way they are now in the present day it's all necessary but the structure is just weird so yeah you have your two episodes of intro you have your 30 episodes of flashback and then the rest of the series which at this point is 18 episodes is just solving the present day murder mystery and more or less clearing Wei Wuxian's name and so it's wow I said that weird Wei Wuxian's name so it's it's a weird structure I think I personally would have liked to start with like okay let's kind of do it i think it would have worked chronologically but yeah this is the way that the author chose to do it and the way that it is done in the live action i'm not sure about the anime series but i i think it's more or less the same thing where like they start smack dab in the middle and then you get kind of slingshot between the two different time periods so yeah that was it was kind of jarring at first, especially since, like, I wasn't expecting the flashback to be 30 episodes, and so, like, I, ta I was talking to my friend who suggested me to watch this show, and I was like, so, when does the flashback end? And she was just like, what episode are you on? And I was like, I think I'm on, like, episode four or five, and she was just like, you have a long way to go with the flashback. <laughs> so, it's it's very weird narrative structure just for, like, anyone who's interested in getting into it and hasn't had any, like there's if you don't have any warning you're just like when what is going on i don't understand but yeah the the story like it overall works i just think we could have also just like gone chronologically and it would have been okay 
But ultimately, like, the plot is very well done, and, like, the story is compelling, and it, like, keeps me along for the ride, and, like, I don't, and, like, it's always, you know, very cool to see the murder mystery unfold. You have your thoughts about who could have, like, orchestrated everything, but, yeah, the, the plot itself is pretty good. It's, it sort of, like, evolves over time, and is, it, it like, everything ties together and makes more sense than heaven's official blessing heaven's official blessing as i mentioned in that episode there just seemed like there were lots of different plot threads going on and then like we all of a sudden dove into this bigger adventure and then that plot thread wrapped up and it was like oh okay i guess i guess we're done and yeah i don't i really don't understand why the plot of heaven's official blessing is so weird compared to the untamed but that's okay because i think the untamed were or not the untamed heaven's official blessing i think we're supposed to get more episodes we're supposed to get a season two hopefully that'll actually like expand on everything and tie the story together better but yeah so far i really do think that the untamed or is a better story by this author so yeah, like the the plot was good, and then also the visual effects were really pretty were pretty good. It's not the same. It's like not fancy visual effects. The TV show employs a lot of practical effects as well, so it's not like the most groundbreaking piece of media that you'll see in terms of visual effects. The movie that I'm gonna be discussing later with another friend, not Encanto, but like the other blues. Blues Love? Hello? <laughs> the other Boys Love movie that I'll be discussing with another friend at some point, that has much better visual effects. Like, I think their budget pretty much went entirely to visual effects. But yeah, the the, the effects in were were good enough. And as far as stuff that I didn't really like, I, I don't think I have any real favorite characters from this show. Like, the characters themselves were, like, compelling and good and everything but also like i don't know i didn't feel like particular attachment to anybody i feel like it's kind of the same way in heaven's official blessing though i kind of liked watching by the end but yeah like i didn't i didn't really feel any strong connection and you know it might be because this is a boys love series and this was written not for gay men this was written you know as a reminder boys love was was written by women for women and it's kind of you know it's interesting to consume media about you, but isn't for you. So I think that kind of colors, you know, maybe why I didn't have a favorite character. But yeah, also the interesting thing to note with at least The Untamed, The Untamed is a live action show. And as a result, I think they were there was a lot more scrutiny in censorship for the queer subtext and everything. In the original story itself, I believe there is overt sexual contact between Wei Wuxian and Lang Wangji, the two main characters. So it's interesting that, I mean, it obviously makes sense that you can't have that like overt queer contact in a live action show. But it, yeah, it was, it was just interesting to see like how much was removed. Kind of the only way, the only thing that you get out of it is like Wei Wuxian is like, he, especially during the flashback, it shows his relationship with with Lan Wangzi, and it's it's very much like Lan Wangzi is is very serious and very stoic, and he kind of doesn't really take any bullshit. And Wei Wuxian is like very much a trickster person, very much a trickster character, and so obviously it's it's a lot of opposites attract and lots of just personalities clashing. And they're, they just kind of become friends through, like, contact hours. <laughs> it's very much, like, yeah, they're just, like, hanging out together. And eventually, like, they get into so many different, like, situations with each other that they're just like, well, I guess we're friends now. To the point where they, like, help each other when they're severely injured. Or not, I don't know, severely injured, but, like, they help each other when they are injured and everything. So, like, there's that friendship. I will say the probably the queerest moment is towards the end of the flashback arc um, when Wei Wuxian is starting to become the Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation, which is the title of the series. Every, there are a lot of people in, in that society 
that are very much against Wei Wuxian. They think he is evil, they think he is a murderer, they have all sorts of thoughts about what's actually going on, and as a result, he has a pretty, pretty crummy reputation. But in reality, he's trying to do something quite good, and so this actually, yeah, like the, he. So as I mentioned before, the Wen clan who, that started more or less like a campaign to sort of take over the kingdoms, the Wen clan has that pacifist sect, the Qisan Wen. And they, that, that part of the clan did not participate in the war, but because they have that name, the one name, people who participated in the war and who were eventually successful and like successful in defeating the Wen clan, they, they, they saw that name and they said, you know what, we can't have you, you know, you have to pay for all the suffering that you inflicted, even though these people were fully innocent. And so Wei Wuxian steps in and says like, hey, no, I'm going to make sure that these people can live a safe and healthy life because that's what they deserve. They didn't do anything wrong. They were not part of this part, like they were not part of this clan, you know, basically trying to break the cycle of violence. So... He's trying to do that, but people very much dislike him for doing that. And then coupled with his bad reputation, you know, there's there's a lot of pushback against basically his existence. So I think the queerest moment is when Wei Wuxian and Wang Ji like realize that they probably have to fight at some point, and Wei Wuxian is like, hey, uh, I would rather you kill me and not anybody else. And Wang Ji says basically just doesn't kill him because they're friends like he like Wei Wuxian is his best friend and I think that is kind of at least for me that was the the most overt queer moment of like oh yeah like we're we're really good friends and I care about you and I would rather take on some level of like dishonor and shame because I didn't do anything about you and let you live because you know that Wang Ji actually believes in what Wei Wuxian is doing so that I think was like the queerest part the ending is like fairly queer but you also kind of have to squint with your gay eye like really hard you maybe put on some like glasses and some contacts I know you don't normally do glasses and contacts together but like to be able to see the queerness you kind of have to put both of them on as I mentioned like it this is a live action and so like a lot of it had to be censored I get it but also, I just kind of wonder how much of that was, like, just the fact that Boy's Love is written by women for women. I wonder how much of a different story this would be if, you know, it was written by, if this was a queer story written by a queer man. But yeah, so that that's kind of, like, what the story was about. It's really not my personal favorite, at least. My favorite Boy's Love, we will cover later in, an, in a different episode but yeah like I if I didn't know about the romance going into this show like I had seen a lot of chatter and stuff about this show on Tumblr and I heard about it from a couple friends so like if I hadn't known that the show was queer I don't think I like maybe would have been able to pick up on it especially the whole part like during their like quote-unquote childhood slash like teenage years when Wei Wuxian and Na Wangji are hanging out Maybe would I would have picked up on like oh like Wei Wuxian like really likes really likes La Wangti, um, but you know it otherwise it wasn't like overt and like the main focus of the conversation. But yeah, like I said, if I hadn't it like my I I knew going into this it was uh, that there was a romance, but like I don't think I. If I was watching it without that information, I don't think I would have been able to put together that those two characters were like originally together and like in a in any sort of relationship until Wei Yusin says like, "Hey, I would rather you know you kill me over somebody else because I want to save these people." I don't think I would have been able to tell until then. So yeah, that that's kind of the story and everything. And now comparing the Untamed to Heaven's Official Blessing, the story is pretty different in terms of what's going on, I think there's still sort of, like, that murder mystery aspect that the author really likes to have, as well as, like, sort of a smaller mystery pulling the story further into a larger mystery to unravel to get to know and understand the characters, but the characters themselves are pretty different. Both Lan Wang, Wangji and Wei Wuxian are very good at what they do. Lan Wangji is the 
basically the second heir to his clan and his his brother is his brother older brother is the first heir but both of them are extremely good at sword play they're very strong cultivators and they both use their clans like signature spiritual instruments so like that's and then also Wei Wuxian is part of the Jiang clan and he's constantly or maybe not constantly but like at odds a lot with his foster brother Jiang Cheng who is the actual heir to the Jiang clan and Jiang Cheng is like not insecure per se but he like basically sees Wei Wuxian as like a constant competitor he his his mom looks down on Wei Wuxian because Wei Wuxian is pretty much like better than Jiang Cheng at like sword play and cultivation and stuff until the turning point. I'm not going to spoil that particular plot point, but Jiang Cheng feels a lot of insecurity and as a result, like there's a lot of friction between him and Wei Wuxian. But all of that to say, like both Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangdi are very good at what they do and they're they're quite adept and kind of I feel like that aspect is like very much illustrated during this show whereas with heaven's official blessing it didn't really feel like the main character the prince had like a very strong skill set like he didn't feel like a very like solidly main character i guess is what i'm trying to say so that was and it was like very much a story about how these characters are more or less forging their own paths and finding ways to survive and 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 succeed with the lot that they've been dealt whereas i feel like heaven's official blessing at least with like the netflix cartoons like i don't really know what was going on like i had complaints about the untamed story structure but like heaven's official blessing like what's going on i don't know that show is a mess so yeah that's that's sort of like the main main difference there and I know at least with Heaven's Official Blessing I I did find like Hua Cheng or like the the Crimson Ghost like I found his character to be a little bit more compelling and and interesting in his devotion to the prince with Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangzi's relationship I don't know it was it was interesting like I I think they fit sort of like the stereotype that I like in in couples which is very much like one of them is kind of a grouch and very serious and the other one is like this playful little mischievous little shit and like those I feel like those personalities tend to balance each other very well in relationships at least like fictional relationships and whatever so really like those and so like Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangzi like very much fit that so that was I don't know it was like interesting to see that like they have that sort of dynamic but I like even so wasn't that invested like I said before the story is really what kept me going for this series the characters themselves were like eh okay like I I feel like this is a, this is like just as a note like this is sort of like the this was my intro to the boys love genre like i had not i w- i'm not like josh and i hadn't consumed any boys love media during like high school or anything like my introduction to like queer fandom i guess it was really just like exploring deviant art and and reading fan fiction online and stuff so i feel like most of the time sure those stories are written by women for women but also like i don't know i feel like that fan fiction is has has better tropes and handles that queer romance a little bit better sometimes than boys love but yeah like this this was my very first intro to boys love as a genre formally so this is like it was confusing overall (laughs) and like i I, i'm curious to see 
as to like how the actual comic is and maybe the original story i think that would be interesting to read it would be very interesting to read actually given like my chinese is very rusty i think it'd be maybe good practice like yeah i'm practicing my chinese by reading by reading gay fan fiction it's fine but yeah this was this is my first formal introduction to boys love and like on the whole was very interesting and i i don't know i i think it's going back to the this whole theme that i keep bringing up of like stories written about you but not for you it's interesting to sort of like consume media that is like that because some of it is genuine and and rings true and resonates and i mean obviously it's very hard to write something that is universally resonant with people of a certain group just because everybody is different but like sometimes it, it i think like tying this back to like maybe if i was reading something about an asian american person not written by an asian american person which like there's plenty of that on tv and everything it's very much just like you've never really like met an asian american person or like in this case like never met like a queer person and like understand people's struggles and motivations and like sort of universal themes of that i don't know so it's just i don't know it's interesting to consume those sort is consume those stories i think it's possible to certainly write something that is from the perspective of somebody that you don't like of an identity that you don't share i think it's just important to do your research and like really talk with people from that identity and everything and make sure that you're honoring their experiences and in the case that you're not then you know i think it is safe to to just say maybe don't do that not to say that the boys love genre as a whole is like bad and i'm canceling it but i i think like it's one thing to have all these interesting tropes where like the women get fridged and everything because like a lot of the female characters in the untamed like they do get fridged like unfortunately jiang chung's sister dies which is really sad how she dies is very sad jiang chung's love interest dies which is very sad there and like it's very interesting because like both of these women and then also jiang chung's mother dies like Jiang Chung's mother is actually pretty strong. She's like a very she's a she's a badass. Um, she's a really cool magical weapon that she gives him before she dies. But like, there's a lot of just like, okay, well we didn't need to like eliminate the women in the story. Like I think there's a way for a story to be about two men getting to know each other and falling in love and not having to eliminate all women rivals like I, it's a bad trope in boys love that persists and like i don't know there there are certainly stories about you know like there are gay stories that don't involve fridging all the women characters of course like when i the next boys love episode that i talk about is going to kind of staunchly contradict this because like they fridge all the women but also like that particular example is a little bit different and we'll get there when we get there but yeah i don't know i i overall like enjoyed the untamed would i watch it again probably not would i want to explore the original media to like understand everything that the author wanted to sort of like put out there yeah i think i would be interested is that like a high like high on my list of priorities to do and like do i feel the urge to do it maybe not necessarily so yeah that is the untamed wow this is just like a very very disorganized ramble i'm so sorry so with that i'm going to take a break and then we'll come back with the final segment of the show all right, and we're back. And so I'm starting a new final segment in addition to the closeout, and I'm calling this What's Your Nonsense? The title of this podcast is Nonsense and Noise, and while the two may seem very similar, <laughs> the choice of title was actually kind of intentional. So noise, obviously, is something that's completely unintelligible. There may be meaning in noise, but generally when it comes to, I guess, maybe the more scientific interpretation of noise like there is no meaning like noise is completely just 
it doesn't hold any meaning. There's there's nothing value about valuable about it. And then coming from more of like a humanistic side, I guess, nonsense is kind of subjective, right? I could be basically if I'm speaking in English and there's somebody who doesn't speak English, my the sounds that I'm making with my mouth, the English language, right? That is all nonsense to somebody. So basically with this show the hope is to like expand more on like what may seem like nonsense for other people and help them to make sense of it and i i i know i felt this way specifically you know i started this podcast after watching shang chi and really enjoying it because i thought there were lots of little hidden gems in shang chi that i thought people could you know, maybe couldn't, wouldn't be able to appreciate without somebody calling them out. And I know I felt this way when consuming other pieces of Asian American media, like I felt that a lot with Crazy Rich Asians, which I will do a pod episode on eventually. I have someone in mind, actually, who I'd like to talk to about Crazy Rich Asians, but like, the very iconic mahjong scene in Crazy Rich Asians, like, I saw Crazy Rich Asians, I think, twice, and one, the first time by myself, and I was glad I was by myself because I was ugly crying for so much of the movie, but the second time I saw it with some people, with some co-workers, and one of them was Chinese, the other, the other two co-workers were not, and so they were like, I didn't really understand what was going on with the mahjong scene, and it was like, oh, you missed out on a very significant part of the movie then. Like, you, you missed out on, like, the, the, the like very dramatic statement that Constance Wu's character was trying to make. So, like, that is the sort of, like, kind of key example of nonsense that I can think of where, you know, you're, you're taking something in and you're just like, okay, I don't really get it. It'd be cool if someone could decode this for me. Um, so this final segment, as I said... <laughs> after all that is called what's your nonsense basically like i'll be asking at least for this uh, on solo episodes it'll be just me talking about what my nonsense is for the week but on guest episodes i'll be asking future guests like hey what is something basically the whole point of this question is like what is something that seems like only you seem to be into that you would like other people to to get into or like to discover and everything so i'm going to start out the inaugural What's Your Nonsense by, I guess, just talking about Digimon. If anybody follows me on Twitter, you guys know that I talk almost nonstop about this anime. It's very formative to me. They did a reboot in 2020. There was also a movie that was released in 2021 called Last Evolution Kizuna. But like this, I feel like, you know, at least with Digimon, there's the age old debate of like, oh, did Digimon copy Pokemon? Like, are they the same? And my biggest like gripe with that argument is that it completely misses the nuance of like, both of them are kind of about growing up, but in different ways. The reason why the Pokemon anime, like, has Ash as eternally 10 is, like, it's not necessarily about the journey of growing up as much as it is, like, sort of, like, savoring the innocent exploration of childhood and everything. And that's why, and so, like, there's that focus of exploration and then also, like, bonding with these creatures and everything and so that's the main reason why i feel like pokemon like also succeeds as a video game because like it's very easy to or not very easy but it's like a lot easier to commodize commodize commoditize there we go it's a lot easier to commoditize like the theme of exploration and and collection it's very easy to make money off of that whereas digimon on the other hand digimon is a story all like at its heart is always a story about growing up and maturing and and discovering more and more about yourself and making sometimes hard decisions and so that's the main reason why i feel like digimon can't find success in like a video game format or even like a card game format because if you strip the series and like the media of that concept of like the the joy and pain of growing up then like you can't fully enjoy the series especially like with adventure 01 which is the original series that premiered that was 
going on back in the late 90s, like a lot of the evolution that happened with the partner Digimon happened because their human partners made like an important learning about themselves and they had some level of like deep character growth or like deep character maturation or whatever, right? And that's that is important and if you take that away, it it's it's very hard to capture that in a video game because everyone connects to media in a different manner and to different intensities. I think it certainly is possible to capture that like emotion of the pain and joy of growing up and like that journey. I think some games have been able to do it. Like I think Hellblade did it pretty well. I think Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, like Blue Rescue Team and Red Rescue Team did that well. I'm trying to think about other examples. Okami did that really well, actually. Not necessarily, with all of those, it's not necessarily like growing up and everything, but as, as much as just like character development and, and like watching people change around you. So, like, it is possible, but the way that Digimon has gone about it in its games has been very much like trying to make it more or less like Pokemon, where you like collect collect the monsters and like you make them evolve and stuff and yeah it's like it doesn't quite have the same impact and as a result like Digimon is never going to in my opinion at least eclipse Pokemon in like the game world because until they make a an adventure story that captures that sort of like same essence which I think would be well done through like a visual novel because that is, you know, more blatantly narrative, and there's a little bit less freedom, like, of input from the player, and so developers can control the, the narrative and, like, how deep it reaches a little bit better. But yeah, so that's, that's my nonsense. I really do wish more people would give Digimon a chance, and I also don't mean the English dub, because for whatever reason, America doesn't seem to acknowledge anime as, like, a legitimate art form. People don't think that anime can, like, capture and carry, like, deep messages. I think that folks who have been consuming anime for a while acknowledge that. I think I think that people who are consuming anime acknowledge that anime can carry that message, but I don't think that people who are... Uh, localizing the anime or like sometimes even voicing the anime I don't feel like people take it to take people take it that seriously so you like if you go back and watch Digimon really any of them like Digimon Adventure 01, 02, Tamers, Frontier, whatever and you compare that with the English dub it's kind of a different tone you've got the same material but like one of them handles it very seriously and the other one has like these weird goofball jokes kind of thrown in every so often. Like, don't get me wrong, the material is good enough such that like the themes shine through in the English dub, but like watching it in the original Japanese, I think is like much more valuable because like the series, you know, takes itself seriously. And yeah, so I would highly encourage if you can watch the original Japanese dub of Digimon Adventure 01, 02, and then Try as well, Digimon Adventure Try, which was like a, a short film series that ran between 2015 and I think 2017. It was five, no, six movies, I think technically like movies but like they're episodic Digimon Adventure Try and then Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kizuna which is only available I think through like legitimate sources I paid a little bit of money on iTunes for it and I truly don't mind just because like it was a real it was a good it was a good movie and Last Adventure Kizuna I think was very much like Toy Story 3 where like you know it's saying goodbye to part of your childhood but like this one like this is my main thesis is i think that digimon treats its fan base much better than pokemon does because pokemon at its heart has always been oriented at kids and to be consumed by kids whereas digimon i think acknowledges like hey there are there are people who started with this franchise and this media back in 1999 when they were young and now it's 20 years later and this 
series like has grown with you and so like last evolution kizuna i would highly recommend watching after all the other pieces of media because like you really do feel that character growth over time and it's really is really well done aside from like one thing that i have a, a major quibble with but um yeah that is my nonsense more people should watch digimon and appreciate it i think there's something in that series for everyone Alright, so with all of that, we'll move on to just reminding everybody, as I mentioned at the top, this pod is completely independent. I do not have anybody helping me. I don't have, like, there's there's no special programs that I'm using. Everything that I'm doing is pretty much completely out of pocket. I'm using Audacity. That's, like, the fun program that I'm using. When I recorded my episode with Josh, that was actually using Discord and some of the, like, macros to capture both of our voices. But, yeah, otherwise I'm not, like, using any fancy material, and this is all just me, me editing and everything. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to support me in this, the best way to do that is through Patreon. If you go to Patreon and search for Nonsense and Noise you should be able to find the page and of course i will include the link to the episode or link to that in the in the actual soundcloud file or the soundcloud page and the current goal with the patreon is to actually be able to make enough such that i can move over to spotify just because noise trade not noise trade soundcloud isn't necessarily the best platform for podcasts i don't think people are thinking about soundcloud when they think about podcasts so yeah i'm trying to move over to a better platform so with patreon there are three different levels tier one will get you a shout out on the episode similar to what i did earlier at the top tier two gets you early access to the episodes i'm trying to release these more or less on a bi-weekly basis and so basically when i'm done editing and transcribing the episode you'll get access to the episode one day before it releases the general public that is tier two and then tier three is topic ideas or or like you can suggest ideas for topics for me to go into so for example Deshaun, who joined recently, suggested the topic of going into the world of Avatar, and as per usual, I'm going to not pass up the opportunity to dunk on Avatar Blue people. It is not Avatar Blue people. We don't like Avatar Blue people in this house. The world of Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra is, you know, the topic, and I think that there's a lot to talk about, especially it's a piece of media generated by two white guys and they did a really good job and there's also you know i think my firm belief is i think that the avatar universe can be turned over to asian american creators now because the the world has been established and i don't like i don't know i say what you will about legend of korra but i i tried to rewatch legend of korra recently and whew, that was hard to get through i think i made it like four episodes and i was like i can't do this but yeah so Avatar will be another topic that I will be going into later. So yeah, that's Patreon. If you want more of me and my nonsense, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kato. That is K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T-K-A-Y-T-O. You can also find me on Twitch at the same username. I started playing Ori and... The Will of the Wisps, which is the ow, which is the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, it's been really, it's been really fun, very pretty. I'm also probably going to be streaming Legends Arceus when I get it, so you can come watch me get bullied by Pokemon for you know being a Digimon head. They'll bully me. So yeah, if you want to give me a follow and look out for the Twitter notifications. Or, yeah, just give me a follow on Twitch and turn on notifications there, and then you should be able to get notifications of when I go live. But I also have Twitch notifications going to my Twitter, so feel free to follow me there. And with that, that's all. Thanks so much for joining for another episode, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.